0: This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that gives a quick look at something that happened a long time ago today. I'm Gabe Lousier, and in this episode, we're looking at the origin of the holy dollar, the first reliable supply of money for what would later become the nation of Australia. The day was February 25, 1814. The first batch of coins to be minted in Australia was distributed for use in the penal colony of New South Wales. The coins had been made by stamping out the centers of 40,000 silver coins imported from Spain, The outer rings of the coins were quickly dubbed holy dollars, after the distinct hole in their centers. The middle pieces of the dollars, nicknamed dumps, were used as a secondary coin, valued at 15 pence. This means that since the original Spanish coins were valued at 5 shillings each, a holy dollar and its dump were worth more than the coin they were cut from. The makeshift money was an ingenious solution to a currency shortage that had plagued the colony for the better part of the last decade. The first European and African settlers to Australia arrived in 1788. They reached Botany Bay that January and soon established the penal colony of New South Wales, the first European settlement on the continent. At the time, the colony had no official currency. The settlers had brought 300 pounds worth of English coinage, which was held by the governor, but other forms of foreign currency were used by the various convicts, soldiers, settlers, and sailors, who needed their own medium of exchange. This included British coins, as well as Dutch guilders and ducats, Indian mohars and rupees, as well as Portuguese johannas and Spanish reals. Over time, much of this foreign coinage left the colony, typically as payments to the visiting merchant ships. As the coin supply dwindled, the residents turned to rum as the trading commodity of choice. This worked well for the soldiers, who received regular rations of rum, as well as wealthy citizens, who could import as much of the liquor as they needed. But for everyone else, it was a tough system to survive under. In 1806, Captain William Bly was appointed governor with orders to clean up the colony's corruption and put an end to the use of rum as currency. His actions sparked what later became known as the Rum Rebellion, in which Bly was deposed and placed under arrest by his own officers. A rebel government took control of the colony and remained in power until 1810, when Major General Lachlan Macquarie arrived from Britain Serve as the colony's new governor. It was under his leadership that New South Wales would finally find a remedy for its long standing currency problem. Governor Macquarie would have preferred to create a new currency from scratch. The problem was he had no way of sourcing the metal coin blanks that were traditionally used to mint new coins. So instead, he had to get creative. At the time, the practice of cutting coins into segments and then countermarking them with new dates and values was already in use, both in the British colonies of the Caribbean and in several African nations, such as Sierra Leone. Governor Macquarie was aware of that technique and decided to give it a try in New South Wales. First, he arranged for a special shipment of 40,000 Spanish coins to be used in place of blanks. The coins, which arrived from Madras in November of 1812, were silver, eight real coins, commonly known as pieces of eight. At the time, these were frequently used as an international trading currency, so there were plenty in circulation to get a hold of. Next, in order to make the coins unique to the colony, and to keep them from being immediately traded away to outsiders, Macquarie arranged to have the centers of the coins removed from the Spanish dollars. The man chosen for that task was an emancipated convict named William Henshaw. He had worked as a metallurgist in England and was sent to the penal colony in 1805 to serve a seven-year sentence for his role in a counterfeiting scheme. Henshaw had been granted a pardon six months before his sentence was scheduled to end, and just a few months after that, Macquarie recruited him to make the colony's new coinage. In the fall of 1812, Macquarie provided Henshaw with a workshop in the basement of a building called the Factory. For all practical purposes, this was Australia's first mint, and Henshaw its first mint master. Under Macquarie's orders, Henshaw punched out the middle of each Spanish silver dollar, and then stamped new information over top the existing inscriptions. Around the edge of the hole of each coin, Henshaw stamped the date, the new value, and the issuing authority, which was New South Wales. Once that was done, the Spanish reales became Holy Dollars, Australia's first circulating coin. When all was said and done, they were able to convert 40,000 coins into 39,910 Holy Dollars, plus an equal number of dumps. The other 90 coins were accounted for by spoilage and mistakes during the minting process, because nobody's perfect. Macquarie originally hoped the coins would be ready in just three months, but the task proved more difficult than expected and took over a year to complete. As a result, even though all the coins were dated 1813, they weren't actually put into circulation until 1814. The first batch of holy dollars and dumps was delivered to Deputy Commissioner General David Allen on February 25th of that year. The final batch followed six months later, in August of 1814. The coins were well-received by residents of the colony, and helped greatly reduce the value of rum as a commodity. Holy dollars and dumps continued as the official currency of New South Wales until 1822, at which time reliable supplies of British sterling coins were available in the colony. The pierced currency remained in common use until 1829, when the holy dollar and the dump were finally demonetized altogether. By that point, most of the coins in circulation had been exchanged for sterling and shipped off to the Royal Mint in London. There, the holy dollars were melted down into silver bullion and sold to the Bank of England. Experts estimate that as few as 300 Holy Dollars and just over 1,000 dumps were spared from the fire. These surviving coins were typically held as keepsakes by wealthy colonists who could afford to hang on to devalued currency instead of trading it in for legal tender. Today, Holy Dollars sell at auction for anywhere from $10,000 to nearly half a million dollars. Dumps, while less desirable, can still fetch up to $25,000, depending on their condition. About 100 of the 300 holy dollars known to exist are held in museums, while the other 200 or so are in the hands of private collectors. One thing that keeps the currency popular among coin enthusiasts is that every holy dollar is slightly different. Part of the fun is seeing all the different details on the Spanish silver dollars, the coins that they were cut from. Since those were minted on different dates, in different locations, and under different Spanish kings, no two coins are the same. That's even more true when you consider the variations in the holes and counterstamps that Henshaw added to each coin. After all, it was a process he repeated nearly 40,000 times, so understandably not every hole or marking is uniformly centered. And speaking of Henshaw, no one's quite sure what happened to him. We know he left the colony for England in 1817, but after that he pretty much disappeared from the historical record. However, you can still find traces of the old forger if you know where to look. That's because Henshaw incorporated his initial, H, into the leaf design of the Holy Dollars counterstamp. He also inscribed his initial between the words 15 and pence on the reverse side of the dumps. So gone, but not forgotten, Henshaw left his mark on every piece of currency he made. It's a legacy written in holes and dumps. Who could ask for anything more? I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC show. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them my way at ThisDay at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show. And a special thanks to Joey Pat, our guest editor for this episode. Last but not least...